One of the greatest joys and surprises in life are the special people God brings into our lives. These folks are not blood relatives, but they act like brothers and sisters, or parents, or aunts and uncles. This is a mutually beneficial relationship. The adopted member is blessed, and the family is blessed in return. Men should reach out to the families where a father is absent. Women should reach out to the girls who need a loving and godly example. All of us should recognize that we are to be good stewards of what God has so generously given to us. If God has given you a strong and loving family, open your doors and your heart and embrace those who don't have what you have. There's a double blessing in store. With more on this, here's Pastor Allen. Good morning, everyone. Good to have you here today. Um, some of the men made it back from the retreat, some didn't, but um, we had a really fantastic time. And just uh, want to just acknowledge that God's good. We, I spoke the first uh, first session. Mark spoke the second, and Dennis shared in the third. And we had a really good time talking about mentoring and about actually getting involved in each other's lives. And that's really what I want to talk about. T- uh, this morning, about the importance of, of believers getting involved in each other's lives. One of the greatest joys of my life has been the people that God has brought into my family. And in fact, we often refer to them as adopted family members. They're not blood relatives, but we consider them family nevertheless. When I was in Bible school, I was about uh, 19 years of age, and our family was going through a really difficult time back in Winnipeg. And I was away from my family and just, just really struggling with, with uh, this very dark period. And I won't get into it right now. Those of you who know me well know what it's all about. But here I am, 19 years of age. I'm away from my family. And uh, God brought some people into my life. At the time, it was Reverend and Mrs. Nolan. Reverend and Mrs. Nolan were the... Dorm parents, that's actually what they were called. He was responsible for the guys. She was responsible for the girls. And for whatever reason, they really took a a liking to me and did uh, everything in their power to comfort me and to help me and to bless me in the midst of of the the, the darkness that that I was going through. Uh, They sat up late with me. They talked with me. They prayed with me. Uh, They made me laugh. They told me jokes. They uh, took me with them on family outings. If they were going up north to visit her sister or, or son up northern Saskatchewan, they'd say, Alan, why don't you come with us? And of course, I was uh, not really raised that way, and I always was afraid that I was intruding, and that's why I'd say, no, I don't think I will. But wisely, I think anyways, Mrs. Nolan would insist, no, you've got to come with us. There's no point in you staying home alone. Uh, just come and, and join us, and we're going to have a good time. Uh, but I never wanted to. I always, felt, I always felt awkward. I always felt like the fifth wheel. I always felt like maybe, you know, it was not for me. That is until I came across a scripture verse that absolutely changed everything for me. In fact, it changed the way that I interacted with other believers. It changed how I, um, uh, how I saw the people that, that I went to church with the people that I would call my brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's this verse from Psalm 68, verses 5 to 6a. And here's what it says. Can you put that up, please? Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God. 
whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. God chooses to reveal himself or to show himself as a father to fatherless. Now, some of us have got you know, our own notion, our own ideas of who God is and what he's like. And for many of us, it's, uh, it's maybe not a very flattering picture of who God is. Some of us see God as some, some sort of a distant deity that demands his pound of flesh, and, and God demands that you do this or do that, and, and that every time you make a mistake, he's ready to smack you one because you made a mistake. That's not how God describes himself here. This is not how God reveals himself. He says that he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. This absolutely revolutionized my understanding of the family of God. The family of God, I discovered, were just not, not just a collection of people that I worship with on Sundays, not just a collection of people who were nice to me once in a while, people that I was friendly with, people that maybe prayed with me. In the, but these are people who invited me into their family. And so this changed everything for me. And in fact, Gloria and I, for the last 26 years of our marriage, uh, of, our, of our family life, have done everything we can to invite people into our lives, to include them. And I'm going to say this. There is nothing magical about this. And by that I mean God has called you and I to respond to him and to what he's like. He, he wants to, us to understand who he is. He's a father, and as a father, he wants to create and develop his family, and he wants us to function like a family. And so here's the thing. God has his people that he knows that he can trust to cooperate with him and his purposes, and his purpose is to make sure that every single person who is part of his family feels that they belong. I want to talk about more of that in just a second. Marilyn Wedlake, as some of you know, has been part of our family for many years. In fact, I would say that she adopted me first, and, and then eventually we adopted her, so that today, after, after 26 years of marriage, our kids actually call her Auntie Marilyn. Marilyn has been at every birthday party that we've ever had for our kids. We have all our blood relatives there. And then we have Marilyn there, who's our adopted family member. She's been to all the graduations. And I'm going to just say this to you, that if you've ever been to a high school graduation, you know that uh, this, this event that goes on for hours and hours, uh, only somebody who really, really loves you would sit through something like that. It's a painful experience. If Sarah graduates at the end of June, I think I might go to it. No, I'm going to go, Sarah, don't worry. But that's the kind of person that Marilyn is. She's part of our family. She hasn't missed out on anything. She's been there for, for it all. So I want to talk to you this morning. I'm going to talk to, about more about Marilyn in just a moment. But I want to talk to you this morning about this little-known aspect of the Christian faith. 
And I say little, little known because most of us, you, don't, you often don't hear sermons on this. You'll, you'll hear sermons on, you know, on great theological themes, and, and you'll hear the Greek and the Hebrew on the subject. But you don't often hear much about this. God is a father to the fatherless, defender of widows, and God places the lonely in families. I want to, I want to dwell on that this morning. I want us to, to really think about how we are living our Christian lives. Because whether you know it or not, this actually is the gospel in action. This is, as one of my Bible college professors would say, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we discover what authentic Christianity really is. We find it in our relationship, not just with God, but in our relationship with one another. And so let's explore that this morning. So here's what we know. Um, God knows what brings spiritual and emotional and social well-being to every, every human being. He knows it because he's the one who created us. And he knows that what you and I need is the sense of belonging. You and I need to feel that we belong, that we're part of the family. You and I need to feel that we are plugged in, that we're connected. We need to feel that we're not alone. And this is what cross-church is about, or what we're trying to be about. We don't want anybody to ever come here and feel that they don't belong, or that they're not connected, or they're not part of the family. We want you to feel that whatever you're going through, Whatever your struggle may be, whatever your heartache, whatever your problem, whatever your suffering, that in this great big world with all its pain and suffering, there is a place where you are loved and cared for, where you will be embraced, where you will be prayed for, where somebody will be there for you to help you. Now, I need to quickly point out something. We talk about embracing people adopting people into our lives. We're not talking about a mission of mercy. Some people have that notion. You know, I get the Messiah complex. I got to go find somebody that needs me, and I got to embrace them and make sure that they're at my place for Christmas Eve dinner. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, the, about, um, about this, this notion, this idea that, you know, we got to find charity cases and take care of them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a mutually beneficial relationship where when you reach out to that, to that person, you not only bless them, but they in turn bless you back. In fact, I want to just say this to you, because here's what I hear so often. People come to church and say, Pastor Allen, nobody talked to me. I've been coming to this church for three weeks, and I don't have any friends. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not connected. Well, can I just say this to you today? That, and I don't, mean, I don't want to be rude, or, or I don't want anybody to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm being mean or saying anything hurtful. But relationships are a two-way street. It's, 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 it's great if you're here for the first time and you're waiting for someone to reach out to you, great. But if you've been here for a while and you haven't been reaching out, then maybe, maybe you need to rethink your expectations. Because I'm going to tell you this, as Christians, you and I are called, yes, into this into this vertical relationship with God, but we're also called into a relationship with one another. You need to take that step and reach out and shake hands with somebody. 
So often people will come to church, they come in the front door, and then they dash out the front door or the side door or the back door. And then they wonder why they don't feel connected. It's a two-way street. So here's the thing. If you're lonely today, don't wait for somebody to come embrace you. Reach out and embrace somebody else. Marilyn Woodlake uh, buried her mother some years ago and has no siblings. And uh, if you want to find a master at somebody who knows how to create a family around her, it's Marilyn Woodlake. She doesn't wait for somebody to reach out to her and to embrace her and to love her and be kind to her. Because she understands that God is the father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, that God places the lonely in families. So here's what Marilyn has discovered. She's discovered the power of taking that first step, of embracing the lonely people around you. And guess what happens, folks? That solves your loneliness problem. So can I ask you a question this morning? When's the last time you reached out to somebody? When's the last time you embraced someone? When's the last time you reached your hand out to somebody and said, hey, I don't know who you are, you don't know who I am, but I want to introduce myself. My name is, and I'm really glad to meet you. Now remember, God understands what our great need is. God understands that our great need is to belong. And that what brings us emotional and spiritual and social well-being is this connection with other human beings. I asked John Romani to put a picture of Greg and Poppy's family in the video clip. And uh, can you put that slide up right now? Hello? Oh, there we go. So there's Greg and Poppy on the left-hand side, and that's their family. Now, some of them are, are blood family, and some of them aren't. In fact, some of them you'll recognize as there's Matt in there, and there's Sarah, and there's, there's John Romani in there. Greg and Poppy call this their family. They have literally reached out to John and to, and to Sarah and to Matt and some of the others in that, in that photo, and they said, you're our family, and we're going to love you, and we're going to care for you. And, and John and Matt and Sarah and the others, they reach out to them in return because they understand that this is Christianity in action. This is the good news in action. Now, I just want to tell you a little bit about Matt, Matt Button. Uh, where's Matt in there? He's right in the very back corner. He's kind of leaning in on that poor kid in the orange shirt. Uh, Matt grew up in this community. In fact, he went to school with our son, Nicholas. And so Matt's always been, it just seems to have always been part of our life and part of our family as well. And uh, his father died when he was quite young, and his mother actually, uh, with her own problems, couldn't, couldn't cope with raising um, her children. And so Matt was literally on his own at a very young age, before he graduated even. And it was Greg and Poppy that really took an, uh, an interest in Matt and embraced him and will call Matt their son. Now, if you knew Matt's story, if you knew where he's come from, if you knew what his family's been through, I mean, it's absolutely shocking, and someday he, we're going to get him to tell his story. Some of the worst things that you could ever imagine, Matt's lived through it. And today, folks, because 
because he was embraced by a family here at Cross Church, because he was embraced by the Cross Church family, he'll tell you that it's for that reason that he's not on drugs right now, that he's not in jail. It's for that reason that he's been able to go to Bible school. It's for that reason that he was able to report to us last week that, that there's three or four kids, three or four young people that, that became Christians because of his ministry, because of his work. It wouldn't have happened were it not for the fact that somebody said, we're going to adopt you. You're going to become part of our family. Folks, this is Christianity in action. This is the authentic Christianity that I want. I don't want a Christianity that's, that's airy-fairy, that's just uh, uh, a list of principles, rules, laws, and philosophies. I want to know, how is this going to affect me day to day? And I think it's for that reason that so many people have rejected the faith, have rejected Christianity, because they don't see how it matters to me day by day. And I'm telling you today that God's plan right from the start was that you become part of a family and that you be fulfilled. Now, one of the things that pastors love to preach and teach about is we love to teach and preach eternal life. And Jesus came to save you and Jesus came to give you eternal life. And I say, yes, that's right. And two thumbs up for that. But that's not the full gospel story. That's not the full gospel message. The full gospel message is, yes, Jesus has come that you might have life and have eternal life, but he's also come that you might have life and have it more abundant. And what's going to give you the abundant life, folks, if you haven't discovered this yet, is not having more money and having the career of your choice and having a nicer car and a bigger house. What's going to give you that sense of peace and fulfillment is that you know that you belong, that you're connected, that people love you, that they have your back, and that they're there for you through thick and thin. That, my friends, is what the church is. That, my friends, is what God's plan is. A father to the fatherless, a defender of the widow, He places the lonely in families. Now, some of you thinking of Greg and Poppy there and thinking, man, I couldn't do that. Isn't that that too big a sacrifice? Is that really what God wants? Does God really want me to welcome people into my family, really? Well, it shouldn't surprise you that this is what God's asking for because this is who God is. It says that God is the father to the fatherless, the defender of widows. This is who God is. And if you don't get that about God, then you'll not understand the way that he works. You'll not understand what God wants for your life and what God wants to do through you. So who are you reaching out to? Who have you adopted into your life? For many of us, it's, we've got this idea, it's, it's us four no more. We're tempted to to hoard. Have any hoarders here? Don't put your hand up, please. (laughs) We'll have to start a TV show for you. We're tempted to hoard and and, and to keep what God has so graciously given to us. We want to hoard, keep our money, want to 
keep our possessions. We want to keep our talents. We don't want to, we don't want to serve or use our talents. And what's more, we don't want to share the love that we enjoy in our own homes. Glory and I regularly thank God for our marriage. We thank God for our family. We've been married for over 26 years. And we just wonder, how can it just keep getting better and better every year? And if you don't believe me that that's how I feel, you can ask her. She'll, tell, she'll confirm that. You better confirm it. And we have a lot of love in our family. My kids, my, my best friends, and I hope that we are their best friends. We're very close, very tight. And we thank God for this. And, we, and then we look out and we see that there are others that don't have that. And here's the thing. It's very tempting to hoard that love and say, well, look what we've got and others don't have it. And haha, too bad. It's us, it's us four and no more, or in our case, us five and no more. But God has called us to be stewards, good stewards of what he has given to us. And so what we've done, what the Duncalfs have done, is we've opened up our home. And we've invited people into our lives. I had somebody after the service this morning text me. Somebody that we've known for many, many years. And this person said to me, I just want to say thank you, brother, for embracing me and, and uh, allowing me to be part of your family. There's a number of people, and I'm not going to mention, start mentioning names, but I do want to go back to Marilyn Wedlake for a moment because really she was one of the very first that gave me that sense of belonging. She was one of the first really understood this principle, that God places the lonely in families. She really, in, in essence, adopted, adopted me. I was getting ready for Bible school, just 18 years of age, and it was the night before I was scheduled to leave, and she gave me a quick phone call, and she said, Alan, I want you just to pop by my place before you go. And I'd done some work at her house. I thought maybe she wants me to do a last-minute touch-up on something. I don't know. So I popped by her house, and she said, Alan, I want you just to, to take a look at this. And she revealed to me that she would a, a, a stereo. And I said, oh, that's really nice. She said, well, Alan, it's for you. And I was utterly and completely shocked. So this is, you're going to need this when you're in Bible school. You're going to need this in your, in your room. And... I was not, I was so shocked and so not expected. I just started to cry, embarrassed, trying to hold it all back. So I just, just want you to know that, that I care about you and I'll be praying for you. You can depend on me to pray. And so that's how I went to Bible school. Went to Bible school with my turntable, my cassette. Anybody remember cassette players? That was, a, that was called the stereo with two speakers. Came to the end of the first year, and I got a call from Marilyn, and she said, Alan, I'm coming up for the grad. And I said, well, I don't, I've got two more years to go. I'm not graduating yet. She said, I know, but we'll see you. We'll see you there. Marilyn was coming up to the grad because she was convinced that I was going to win an award my first year. 
Now, I've got to tell you, I didn't know anything about the award systems, uh, you know, scholarships and these sorts of things. That was something a little bit foreign to our family. And was sitting there, and they were going through the ceremony, and I was, I was in the choir, and so I was sitting off to the edge. And, you know, graduation ceremonies, people, I'm, I'm fiddling, I'm doodling, I'm distracted. I would want to get up and walk get something to drink, whatever, I'm sitting there. And some, someone suddenly says, Alan, they called your name. I said, for what? <laughs> you won the Wright Memorial, the, the, the Keith Wright Memorial Scholarship. And go. So I'm going up to get my, to get my award. And there was Marilyn waiting with her camera to take the picture. That's how much she believed in me. She believed that, that I was going to win that award, and that was the top award in, that first, in the first year of Bible school. She forgot about that until I reminded her of it not that long ago, but I never forgot it. She adopted me as a mother would embrace her son. That was how Marilyn treated me. And so after 35 years or more, my kids call her Auntie Marilyn, and she's part of our family. And all of this, folks, because of a blood connection. Oh, we're not blood relatives, but we are blood relatives through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what you need to understand today. When you become part of the family of God, you, along with everybody else who calls himself or herself a believer, you have the covering of the blood of Christ that makes us brothers and sisters. I've asked uh, Mark Moyer to share with us about somebody that he's taken into his life. And I'm going to ask you, Mark, if you'll come and share with us. Uh, thank you. For, for about a year ago, uh, our family got into foster care. And uh, this was not something that had ever, ever been on our radar. It was never something that we had planned to do or wanted to do. But we found out a friend of ours, I, I get a little weepy talking about it. Uh, there's a lot of dust up here. Uh, but a friend of ours was in a position where she was having a baby, but she wasn't, for, for circumstances beyond her control, she wasn't going to be able to take care of it. And unbeknownst to me, Jenna had gone to the family and said, hey, what about us? And, uh, and then she came to me and said, hey, I think I did something bad. And uh, so anyway, we ended up taking in this baby. We already had a new baby in the house, but we took in this little guy named Ben. And uh, it has been... It has been one of the greatest blessings that we have ever experienced. We've been blessed in our marriage. Our family's been blessed. Our kids have been blessed. We've been blessed financially because they pay you to take care of them. We do it for free, but, but they give you money. And uh, one of the greatest things it's done for us is because uh, with kids in the system, there's so much uncertainty in their lives. You never know how long they're going to be with you. You never know 
uh, what's going to happen in the future. And so it's really uh, been a shot of adrenaline for our, I feel like I sound like a teenager up here. Um, it's been a shot of adrenaline to our prayer lives, and, uh, and it's really taught us to live out our faith on a day-by-day basis, just trusting God and knowing that even though the future is uncertain, that we are daily living out our faith by pouring love into this one little life. And I, I asked Pastor Allen for the opportunity. I didn't want to be the one to do it but <laughs> because of this, but I asked him to, to mention this in the message this morning because in our province, there are 10,000 kids in the system. That's a scandal. And there's, there's nothing special about Jen and I. We're not rich. We don't have an abundance of time. We have our own kids. We have a little house. We just said yes to God. And when people say to us, um, thank you. When people say to us, oh, you're, you're amazing. I could never do that. Our response has become, why not? Why not? We don't have a lot. We just said yes. And it's been truly one of the greatest blessings of our lives. And so I just wanted to, to offer that challenge this morning. And thank you so much for letting me do so. Thank you so much. There's a conference that we often go to down in Atlanta, and uh, one of the sister churches called the Brown, I think it's, I think it's, is it Brown, Brown Bridge? I'm going to say that. I'll, I'll correct it if I'm wrong. They decided that they were going to do everything in their power to care for the children in their county, and their church is now full of foster kids. And the county, the whole county, including the government officials, I think congressmen, uh, the mayor of the city, on and on, they all know about this church and how this church has adopted and embraced and brought the gospel, true Christianity to the community. There are so many ways that God has called us to reach out and to embrace and to accept and to adopt and to foster and to care for the people in our lives. About eight years ago, I got a call from Leonard McGale. And some of you have heard me talk about Leonard. Leonard was a part of our church for 16 years. And Leonard, uh, living alone, starting to get older and and really not really capable of taking care of himself. Uh, he, he needed somebody to, to, to come and live with him. And so, again, this is, this is the family of God. Le, we, we helped Leonard get Creston, and some of you know who Creston is. He's actually here this morning. So it was pretty, pretty amazing to, to have him here this morning. But uh, Creston needed a place to live, and and Leonard needed somebody to come and live with him. So here's two guys that made up their mind to embrace each other. Creston was in his mid-40s, and Leonard's in his 80s. And uh, here they are, almost like father and son, living together, taking care of each other. And it happened because of the church family. Now, as time went by, and Leonard was recognizing that he's not capable of, of caring for himself anymore. He said, Pastor Allen, I don't have any family. 
I don't have any kids. I don't have any nieces or nephews. I, I have nobody. And I'm wondering, Pastor Allen, if you would be my power of attorney and also if you would take care of me in my old age. And I, I, I stopped thought for, my, for a moment, man, I don't need more to do. But I instantly knew, I instantly felt a check in my spirit. I knew that God wanted me to embrace this elderly man, that God wanted me to be his family. And so I went over to his place. I sat down with him in his living room, and I said to him, Leonard, you know, you're old enough to be my father. And he pointed at me and said, and you're old enough to be my son. And then he thought he was hilarious. So we had a good laugh together. What happened over time, folks, is I, I actually did act like a son. I trimmed his toenails, trimmed his fingernails. I helped him clothing and cleaning up and so on and so forth. And uh, some people have said to me, Pastor Allen, man, that's so cool that you, you would do that for Leonard. But you remember what I said just a few minutes ago? I said that this is not a charity case. This is not a mission of mercy. This is a, a mutually beneficial relationship. And so here's what happened. I'm caring for Leonard and Leonard is setting for me a wonderful example of a man grateful to God. Every time I would see him, he would say, God bless you. Anytime I saw him, he said, Pastor Allen, do you have a job for me to do? And, now, and now this, is, this is Leonard. Do you have a job for me to do? <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm going to get you to do, Leonard. <laughs> he has no sight in one eye. In fact, he lost his eye as a baby. He could hardly see out of the other one, so I couldn't give him a desk job. And I would be afraid to, to let him do anything in case he fell down. But he was so desperate to serve God and to serve his church, which he loved so much. What a fantastic example for me. And he said, Pastor Allen, I just want to go to church. I just want to be useful to God. He challenged me every time I talked to him, every time I saw him. Oh, yeah, he frustrated me once in a while. And I know I frustrated him probably a lot more. Because, you know, when you get to a certain age, you don't like anybody telling you what to do. And I was trying to get him to get his medication and bubble, you know, the blister packages. And, oh, my goodness. Eventually, I just let him do what he wanted to do. And he thought that was fantastic. Because I can still tell you what to do, Pastor. He uh, eventually we were able to get him into a into the care home, and I'd get phone calls from Leonard in Florida, in Burundi, in Zambia, at Stonehenge in London, in uh, in Britain. Phone calls all over the world. God bless you. Pastor Ellen, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you wherever you are, whatever you're doing. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I may have been a blessing to Leonard, but I think he was far more of a blessing to me. And not only was he a blessing to me, he's a blessing to this church. Because when he first came here, he said, Pastor Ellen, I've got $40,000 I don't know what to do with. And I'm a pastor. 
And I'm thinking, man, I, I could tell you a few things to do with that $40,000. So I said, Leonard, what do you want to do? He said, I want to invest it in the church. I said, okay, how much interest do you want? He said, I don't want any interest. I just want to put it, I just want it to be used by God. And he said, and if I need it, I know where to find it. He said, when I die, if I don't need it, then it belongs to the church. So Leonard just passed away a few weeks ago, and he left the church $40,000. This is the family of God. This is Christianity in action. This brings Christianity... uh, into terms that you and I can understand. We bless each other, we encourage each other, we walk with each other, we help one another. And if anybody taught me that, Leonard was one of those people. I want to ask you a question this morning. Who have you embraced? Who have you welcomed into your family? I'm going to tell you, Take that step of faith, and you're going to find that it's not just that person who's blessed, but you're going to be blessed as well. Blessed in ways that you can't even imagine. Would you stand with me, please? Father, thank you. Thank you for the family of God. Thank you, God, that you don't want anyone to go through life poor, and I'm talking relationally poor. You want everyone to know the fulfillment that you intended for every human being to experience. That eternal life, God, we are so grateful for, but until we get there, you promised us the abundant life, and that abundant life comes through rich relationships within the family, and that's what Cross Church is about, and that's what we want everybody here to experience. And so my prayer this, this morning, Father, that is that if there's anyone here who's feeling disconnected, that they would take that step of faith and reach out to somebody to say hello, to shake hands, to smile, to take the risk and say, would you go for lunch with me? Can I buy you a coffee? God, we pray that everyone here today would embrace the family that God has given them because God, you are a father to the fatherless. You are a defender of the widow. And you place the lonely in families. So God, thank you that there's a family waiting for every single one of us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Tell the person beside you, go adopt someone.